the railroad industry and Senator J.D. Vance, he is a go. He's all for it. He's saying we need to make this happen. It is crucial for citizens across the nation. We're going to be watching to see what happens and following it. Nicole. All right. Great reporting there. Kelsey Kernstein in Indiana. Thank you. And I thank you so much for watching. This is all for News Nation Now today. Let's give you a look at our primetime lineup. But first, the biggest headlines out of our nation's capital. The Hill starts right now. This toxic polarization that is destroying our country today. And how do we deal with that? Every Democrat on this committee believes that we need to end that polarization. Do you think you can do that by censoring people? I'm telling you, you cannot. We need to start being kind to each other. We need to start being respectful to each other. All right, here we go. He wants to be the Democrats' nominee for president. And today he faced scrutiny up on Capitol Hill from members of his own party. That, of course, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And he went back and forth with Democrats and it got heated. Plus, Congress talking about UFOs. House Republicans unveiling what we can expect from the Oversight Committee hearing next week following News Nation's exclusive reporting. And outside the Beltway, once again, President Biden returning to the battleground state of Pennsylvania. He's there to pitch Bidenomics. Why polls, though, show that might be a tough sell. Hello and welcome to The Hill on News Nation once again. I'm Blake Berman bringing you today's show alongside Morgan Ortegas. Morgan, hello. Hello, friend. Good, good to be back. Good to, be, good to have you back in one more time. Um, RFK Jr., you know, it's yeah. interesting. You said that he wanted, or in the clip, it wanted to be kind and respectful. I, I don't think it was that. It was a lot of things today, but I didn't get the kind. For the few hours, they put the kind and respectful off to the side. But yeah, you know what was interesting about this? He's running for president, and he was testifying up on Capitol Hill. You don't see that often. I can't remember the last time a candidate for president, a, you know, a legitimate one who's, he's at 14, 15 yeah, percent of the right polls, the depending which one, testified before Congress. And actually, you know, it's interesting. I don't know what Joanna thinks because she is our, our resident Democratic expert here. Um, but, you know, Joanna, uh, with RFK doing this today, it's almost like it was the opportunity for Biden, uh, since he's not debating, it was the opportunity for the Biden team to go after him. Well, look, I think I do remember Hillary Clinton being grilled for hours and hours and hours. Um, the the Republicans, of course, invited him to testify. And I'm not sure that they made the right call because uh, as they continue to give him more oxygen, he has said to News Nation that he is not ruling out a third party run. And I do think it would actually take away from Trump. Uh, support. So it'll be interesting to see. But <laughs> I think the Democrats are just kind of watching and going, are you sure you guys want to do this? <laughs> All right, That's a good point. Great panel joining us today. That, by the way, is <laughs> Johanna Mosca, a News Nation contributor and former official in the Obama White House. Bill McGinley is former Trump White House cabinet secretary. He's also uh, the principal at the Vogel Group. And Alex Gangitano, my friend over at the White House, White House correspondent for our friends over at the Hill. Um, so back to RFK, the hearing. What did you make of it? Look, I think that he went up there and was pretty feisty. I thought it was very interesting that the Democrats tried to censor or silence 
RFK Jr. by taking the committee into executive session, making allegations that he made anti-Semitic remarks and everything else. But what was interesting, I think, in long form, RFK Jr. was able to defend himself. And I think he's becoming one of the most interesting personalities in the 24 field. Even though he's running against an incumbent president, he's still polling 14, 15, and 20 yeah. percent in some of these polls. And with the Biden mistake of foregoing Iowa and New Hampshire, likely he could have a clear field to actually do really well in those two states to gain some momentum going into the other states. What do you make of a presidential candidate testifying before Congress? I mean, look, there is a big gap between him and Joe Biden, obviously, right? right? 50 points, whatever it is, 45, 50 points. But he's he's got 15 percent, give or take, of the Democratic vote right now, Alex. That's right. And I think the Biden campaign has been trying to to not show that they're nervous about this or or nervous about how much interest there is about him. But I do think people are interested in what he has to say. And they're interested about he's a Kennedy. Everybody wants to hear about who what Kennedy is running for president. But letting the Democrats then poke at him during this hearing, you call him everything. His rhetoric is bigoted and and uh, insensitive and idiotic. I mean, that is, I guess, good for the Biden campaign because it it (laughs) makes this Democrat look worse? I don't know. Joanna brought up a really good point about maybe he'll run as a third-party candidate. We talked about no labels last night yeah. on the show, Blake, so you know, maybe uh, maybe this is the Democrats' answer to a no labels candidate getting RFK to be an independent. Who knows? Sure. Listen, we have a big show tonight. We begin tonight actually with Democratic presidential hopeful who we've been talking about, RFK Jr. He testified on Capitol Hill earlier today before the House Select Subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government. This is a priority for Republicans, but it also put him face-to-face with many skeptical and very concerned Democrats. News Nation's Kelly Meyer joins us live. Kelly, a lot of fireworks from the start. Oh, yeah, and a lot of back and forth between members of his own party. RFK Jr. saying, quote, this is an attempt to censor a censorship hearing. He was there to talk about what he believes is big tech and federal government blocking free speech, including his own. But it was his most recent comments that were taking center stage there on Capitol Hill today. This was his first chance to address this directly and publicly. Uh, Footage emerged of RFK Jr. seeming to suggest that COVID-19 could be ethnically targeted and spare Jewish people and Chinese people. Now, RFK Jr. says his comments were misunderstood. Democrats on the committee today weren't buying that, and it pitted Democratic members of the committee against the Democratic candidate for president. Take a listen. What you are doing now, Mr. Kennedy, and the forces you aligned yourself are reckless, dangerous, and disturbing. By echoing dangerous claims, your rhetoric creates a climate of mistrust, antagonism, and even hatred or violence against Jewish people. You've marginalized other groups, too, like Asian Americans and the LGBTQ plus community. And worse, you don't seem to care or brush it all off to misquotes and misunderstanding. Frankly, it's disgusting. Do not censor him. I'm not censoring him. If the views that you and others have applied to me, I've attributed to me, if they were actually true, I can see why I shouldn't be able to testify here today. Those are not true. These are defamations and malignancies that are used to censor me to prevent people from listening to the actual things that I'm saying. The hearing really was a debate over the definition of censorship. To Republicans, they allege the government is suppressing free speech and censoring disfavored viewpoints. To Democrats, censorship is allegedly protecting the public from 
misinformation or from people spewing hate online. Democrats in today's hearing say this is Republicans giving Democratic presidential <clears throat> candidate R.F. Kennedy Jr. a platform as he is running for the nomination. They say it's Republicans trying to threaten social media companies uh, to not to take down misinformation ahead of the 2024 election. RFK Jr. says Democrats in the committee were trying to censor his speech and are making a broader effort to censor his run for the White House. You guys. All right. Kelly Meyer live for us in Washington. Kelly, thank you. Joining us now to discuss uh, the Democratic congressman from Ohio, Greg's, uh, Greg Landsman. He was one of the Democrats who called on Republicans to rescind the invitation to Kennedy to testify today. Congressman Landsman, thank you for joining us here on the Hill on News Nation. Um, does your party have an RFK Jr. problem, Congressman? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. I think, you know, look, you, know, you, you mentioned earlier that he's polling... Uh, 14, 15 percent. Yeah, if his name was Mark Johnson, he'd be at zero percent. I mean, that's that's part of the issue. And the more you get to know certain people, this this is true. I think for Ron DeSantis, uh, the less popular they become. And I think that's the case for RFK Jr. The more he spends on to, uh, on television, um, at events, you know, uh, talking about. Uh, all kinds of things that are just aren't related to what most people are worried about and working through. Uh, they like him less. His numbers go down. Uh, and, you know, he's not the only one. I mean, this is happening to Ron DeSantis. And, it, you know, it's not. But, you, you know, know, Ron DeSantis is polling at 20 percent and he's watch, viewed as a Ron DeSantis on the Republican side is viewing congressman at polling at 20 percent, give or take. And he's viewed as a, a serious, legitimate threat. RFK Jr. is not that far behind those numbers on the Democratic side. Yeah, but I think in both cases, uh, again, the more people get to know them, the, uh, sorry, the more people get to know them, uh, the less they like them. Uh, there are some people where, you know, the more you get to know them, the more you like them. Uh, these two in particular, uh, the more exposure they get, the worse their numbers are. <clears throat> Congressman, you were one of 102 Democrats who, who put forth a letter in advance of this hearing to try to make sure that RFK Jr. would not testify. And here's part yeah. of the letter that you signed on to. It reads in part, quote, Mr. Kennedy has repeatedly and recently spread vile and dangerous anti-Semitic and anti-Asian conspiracy theories that tarnish his credibility as a witness and must not be legitimized with his appearance before the U.S. Congress, nor given the platform of an official committee hearing to spread his baseless and discriminatory views. When he was testifying today, he essentially addressed those concerns head on. I want you to listen to what he has to say, and I'll get your reaction on the other side. In my entire life, and why I'm under oath, in my entire life, I have never uttered a phrase that was either racist or anti-Semitic. That letter uses the words vile, dangerous, anti-Semitic, and discriminatory. Congressman, do you view RFK Jr. as anti-Semitic and racist? I certainly thought the comments that he made uh, were uh, uh, anti-Semitic, very problematic, and most people do. The idea that he would be then invited or at least uh, not 
disinvited to the United States Congress is is beyond me. I don't understand why they had him uh, in the first place, but, you know, I have such reverence for this institution. Many of us, most of us do. And, uh, and, and the people we serve and what they want more than anything is for us to focus on them and, you know, the things that they're struggling with, which is wages and, 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 and the cost of, of what they have to pay for, not the luxury items, but the things that they have to pay for. They're worried about gun violence and all of these other yeah. things. And so I suspect for most Americans that hearing was absurd. Should Joe Biden debate him, Congressman? I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I, Why I not? wouldn't. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, mis- so much of it is misinformation. I mean, this was part of the problem with, you know, giving him the platform that he had, which is that you know uh, when people are out there providing misinformation about uh, uh, medicine in this case, vaccines, it is hugely problematic. I mean, it's a public health issue. And, you know, he went overseas, told a bunch of people, don't take this vaccine, and uh, folks lost their lives. So it's, you know, I think we have to take him serious in the sense that he is uh, somebody who is not going to help people, but could very well harm a lot of folks. All right, Congressman Greg Landsman, Democrat, Ohio. Uh, thank you for joining us here on the Hill. Hope you, you come on back at some point. Thank you, Congressman. All right, over to the panel to weigh in uh, on today's hearing. Um, Johanna, I'll, I'll, I'll open it to you, either yeah. hearing or what the congressman said as it relates to whether or not he debates him. Well, he, uh, so uh, he raised a lot of good points, which is once you get to know RFK Jr., I think you've got a lot of questions. Look, this is Hunter Biden. I feel, and I think a lot of Democrats feel very sorry for the loss of his father at such a young age. But he got kicked out of multiple boarding schools for drug problems. He got arrested with heroin on a plane. He had, I don't know how you get into Harvard after you've been kicked out of all your boarding schools, but he did because he's a Kennedy. And then, you know, continued to have problems. Multiple wives um, has spread conspiracy theories for a long time. The Republicans are standing him up. They want to see a Democratic challenger. The Democrats have already said, we have an incumbent running. These are the rules that we're playing by. And so I'm afraid he's not going to win the Democratic nomination. I do think that the more people get to know him, he's got a constituency, but that constituency can pull from Republicans. So I would say, be careful, Republicans, on what you wish for. I, I, I just I have to jump in here. Yeah, I mean, you if, look like you want to say yeah, something. <laughs> because if the, if, if the congressman's theory of the case is correct, and the more that you get to know RFK Jr., then why wouldn't President Biden debate him? Why not let the voters decide? If they're so confident that the president's going to be able to prevail, prevail in the debate, then let's just have that debate. But, why but the so other issue is... Yeah, so that was my next question. So then under that same theory, too, Donald Trump should debate Ron DeSantis. Yes? I think, look, I believe in the marketplace of ideas. Put all the candidates up there, yes. Um, and I think third-party candidates in the general election should be on there. Let's give the voters a real choice. And I think News Nation should be given a debate. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> but I think that one thing, you know, it's interesting that this comes on the heels of, I believe it was yesterday, when the House voted a resolution about anti-Semitism. So the question also should be, does the Democratic Party have a problem with this? 
Alex, how much of this is like based on social media? Is this just for clips and likes and or, or you know, you know the mind of the hill better than us. Tell me. What no, do you that's think? a good question. I do think what everybody was saying to him, whether you're supporting him and thinking he's being censored or you think he's anti-Semitic, that's a lot of good things for people to put out for their re-election campaigns. Um, I think the, his point about uh, what we were talking about that it the more you hear from him, the less you might like him. This does at first seem like it could be just a platform to let him talk as if it's a News Nation town hall. But um, I do think that the more people hear from him, he he does, you know, separate, alienate some people that it actually will pull poorly for him. Biden yeah. seem worried about him at all or no? They don't appear to be at this point. I think if they agreed to debate him, that would be a sign that they might be worried about him and right. they want Biden to look good next to him, as you're saying. But um, I think it, that that maybe wouldn't be a good look for them. Right. Well, we're, we're, this is not the last we're going to hear from RFJ Jr. <laughs> no. We know that. But listen, coming up, pushing for answers. The investigation deepens into the very chaotic U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan. We will get to talk with House Foreign Affairs Committee Chairman Mike McCall next. Joining us now is an honor, Congressman Mike McCall, the chair of the House Foreign Affairs Committee. Congressman, there's always so much news going on around the world, uh, but something that I haven't heard you talk about, which is sort of breaking, is your committee, which is not known for doing this unless you really have to, you have issued subpoenas to the State Department as it relates to their handling of the withdrawal from Afghanistan. Right. Why did you feel the need to release, to give them subpoenas for this information? Well, this is the third subpoena that we have served on the State Department, and you're correct. We uh, normally they would cooperate. Um, I, I did. Uh, we were going to move to hold the secretary in contempt over the um, basically the cables that came out of the embassy, warning about what was going to happen. Uh, in this case, the after action report um, that was uh, developed by a former ambassador. Uh, the underlying documents, uh, for whatever reason, they just refused to turn this over. And since last January, we've been very. Um, very, um, I, I would say, uh, patient with them. And uh, now it's been almost seven months and they, they will not turn the documents over, so we served the subpoena. Have they given you a reason why they're not no, turning it over? No, but I, I suspect, as you know, you worked at the State Department. It yeah. involves uh, emails, cables, yeah. all the underlying information that went into the after-action report. I think there's something there that's embarrassing, obviously, but the American people deserve to know. <clears throat> that was with the 13 servicemen and women's uh, parents uh, just the other day, and it was very powerful and very emotional to be with them. And they deserve answers, and they deserve accountability with respect to what happened. Uh, and the American people deserve that as well. Well, we're coming up on the two-year anniversary of the fall of Kabul. Um, hopefully, you'll get to some of those answers of the State Department. Mm -hmm. um, staying somewhat in the region, heading over to the Middle East, uh, you know, there's a very weird story that I think has gone a little underreported, and that is that Rob Malley, who is this administration's Iran envoy, uh, it seems that he has been fired or maybe temporary put on leave. He himself tweeted that he lost his security clearance. Mm -hmm. Do you guys have any clue what's going on there? Yes. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> Would you please share? It's very, well, you, you've lived in the classified world. Yeah. So, but I will, I will tell you that uh, we tried to get him. He was our, uh, he's the chief negotiator for the Iran deal, as you know. He was the architect of the JCPOA. Um, he was the one in touch with the Iranians, has the highest level of Security clearance, classified secrets. What's very disturbing is that we tried to get him to testify for our committee. 
come in, give us classified briefings. Uh, conveniently, he, he would not appear. Now we know why he didn't show up. Um, what I'm deeply concerned about is <clears throat> because he had access to these very high-level sensitive documents and information, that if he turned that information over to a foreign nation adversary, like, say, Iran or Russia, as you know, <clears throat> that uh, really does, would constitute an act of treason. Mm. Um, and it's very disturbing that the man we're, we're relying on for the information about the Iran deal uh, and what the Iranians are telling him could be in violation of his security clearance. And uh, again, I, I can't go into all the details, but it is under investigation. Well, people have reported and talked about this case. I have not heard anyone use the T word, so that's uh, the treason word, so that's pretty tough. Um, Blake, go ahead. I know you I have feel like questions. I'm in a briefing here between the State <laughs> Department and the House Warrant. Uh, um, so there was. <laughs> I'm glad that made you laugh. Uh, uh, so there was uh, pretty big news in Ukraine, Russia. Um, Russia pulling out of the, the grain deal uh, earlier this week. Now we know that there's sea mines in the Black Sea and that there's worries about that. Russia essentially saying if ships go into Ukrainian ports, they now view that as sort of a next-level escalation. When you look at the Black Sea, Congressman, um, there are several NATO nations, you can see on the map here, mm -hmm. that border the Black Sea. Mm -hmm. Is there any worry from your end that if there's an escalation between Russia and one of those ships from one of those nations, that NATO could get pulled in here and thus the United States, and thus there's an escalation? Oh, sure. We've been worried about that scenario since the inception of the Russian invasion uh, into Ukraine. I, I was with Speaker McCarthy in Romania at our NATO uh, port there in the Black Sea. Uh, I went into uh, Ukraine, been to Poland many times. You know, the fact is, though, that this is very, um, I think, disturbing on... Putin's uh, part to shut off the black grain or grain from the Black Sea into the Black Sea because this could cause a, a famine in northern Africa mm. and it could also raise uh, prices not only in Europe but the United States. So I think it's highly irresponsible what he's doing, uh, um, but he's desperate now. But, but is this like, is this like a, a, a commerce war? Is that can it escalate to like a commerce war or something much much higher? Well, remember, Ukraine is always called the breadbasket of Russia, yeah. which is why he wants it back, I think, and and it's a third of the wheat supply for the the entire world. Yeah, and so food prices are very important here. Um, I talked to the Turkish ambassador. Turkey's trying to negotiate this with them. Okay, I hope we get some progress, but they can get it out by rail as well. Right. Just uh, the Black Sea is. Um, this is a very unfortunate turn of events. Yeah, the, the White House says it's cumbersome to get it out by rail. You know, Congressman, I, it feels like we've turned a corner potentially on inflation, right? There was a good print last week at, at 3%. And, and I just wonder, with us sort of turning a corner on inflation, hopefully, are Americans going to feel the effects of this at the grocery stores here? Because we're already seeing wheat prices jump, right? And that's sort of the last thing we want is a reversal, reversal on the inflation front. Well, that's correct. Uh, I, I think we will. How it, bad? it affects the entire, entire global food market. Uh, and again, I think the region will get hit the hardest would be Northern Africa. It could set them off into a famine. I've met with the World Food Program. You know, David Beasley was the, the head of that. He negotiated the deal with Putin. Uh, I hope we can make some progress. But the fact is, 
We will fill this here in the United States. So I can't let the Foreign Affairs Committee chair come without asking you about China. Uh, last question here, we have to. You know, so there has been actually a sea change in this administration's policy towards China. Some of it, there was they were keeping Trump-era actions towards China. But the last six weeks, we have seen four Biden administration officials go to China. They're trying this strategic engagement. Can you? I, I don't really know what that means. What are they getting out of this, and why did they shift policy on China? Yeah, you know, I think uh, they thought they want to thaw the the Cold War, if you will, China. But you know, I, I look at what uh, you know, Secretary Pompeo, who you worked with. You know, you don't go to the negotiating table at a weakness; you go at a strength and leverage. Um, they they stopped uh, sanctions on China. They stopped export controls, like say to Huawei, uh, just for the sake of having a meeting. This is very disturbing to me. And this comes on the heels of the spy balloon. Now we got wind that there's a spy station in Cuba. And also, as you know, the State Department, now all these hacks uh, at Secretary of State, you know, in the State Department, in the East Asia Pacific Division, hacking them to know what's going to happen both before, during, and after these meetings. You can't trust them. Uh, You have to go in clear-eyed, and you have to go in with strength and not weakness. And I'm afraid, typically with this administration, it's out of weakness. Well, you are certainly going to do your job and provide oversight on China and all the issues we talked about. Thank you so much. It's an honor to have you here. Congressman no, thanks, Mike thanks for having me. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Well, coming up, uh, buying into Bidenomics. President Biden returning to Pennsylvania, touting his economic plan. But Main Street still isn't sold. So why is that? We'll talk with a Democratic congresswoman who was with the president today and get her thoughts coming up here on The Hill. takeaway from uh, Congressman Mike McCall there? You know, it, it was not unusual to see the Trump administration deny subpoenas uh, when Congress asked them for it. But I want to see the Biden administration do better. And I think that they've been too quick or too slow to react and give people information. I remember we used to, in the Obama administration, do internal investigations and provide all that information. I think that would be the smart play because there's always going to be mistakes. Put it all forward. I think the family members of the 13 uh, service members who lost their lives during the withdrawal deserve answers. Um, And I I would think that the State Department and the Department of Defense would actually want to be uh, more candid with the Congress so that whatever reforms need to happen so that we don't have a botched withdrawal like that again, uh, they can actually make those plans and work with them. Yeah, I agree. I think also politically speaking, this botched withdrawal is obviously a very low point of the Biden presidency. It's staying in the news is not good for him in 2024. And McCall saying that he met with the 13 service members' families recently to talk about accountability. That's all things that members of the Biden administration should be doing more. I'm still surprised, Blake, though, over what he said about Iran. We know because Rob Malley, the Iran envoy himself, said that a security clearance was pulled. But the things that the chairman alluded to, um, pretty serious stuff. Explain the importance of that real quick. Well, uh, Rob Malley is the architect for the entire Iran strategy for this administration. He is the point person on this. So there is no one more senior in this administration than Rob Malley. And that person has been taken off the table because they lost their security clearance. That's kind of unheard of. You used to work in the State Department. What does it say to you? Uh, It says to me that 
I don't know what the allegations are. I have no clue. I only know what he has said. It has said to me that it's completely derailed their Iran policy for mm. the next year and a half. I don't know how they recover from that. Okay. Mm. Well, listen, we have more. The railroad industry has been under intense scrutiny since carrying. Since a train carrying toxic chemicals derailed in East Palestine, Ohio, that was back in February. Americans across the country are speaking out about another issue facing the industry, and that is stalled freight trains and the chaotic disruptions to daily life they are creating. News Nation's Kelly Kernstein is live in Hammond, Indiana, where the city has been cut in half by these stalled trains. Hi, Morgan. You know, we just got done speaking to some residents in this area, and they're frustrated. They're fed up with these stalled trains in this area. Some of these trains are miles long, so it means that these residents, they can't get through. We've even witnessed it happening today, 20 to 30 minutes stalled here on the tracks. We even saw one bicyclist. They went across the tracks. Where, while that train was stalled there. So not only are they an inconvenience, but they create dangerous situations. News Nation crews were in this Hammond neighborhood for just 15 minutes when a train came through, idling on the tracks for nearly 30 minutes. And the closest unblocked road to cross, nearly a mile away. You can see them sit for 15, 20, 30, as long as over a day. And that's ridiculous. These long delays, a regular part of the routine according to the people who live here. This struggle shared by thousands of other Americans across the country. Research shows us these trains impact smaller, blue-collar communities, and it's only gotten worse in recent years. According to the Department of Transportation, there have been more than 24,000 reports of blocked crossings across the nation over the past year. 18% of the blocked crossings prevented first responders from getting to their emergency situations in a timely manner. In some cases, blocked railroad crossings end in tragedy and litigation. In Oklahoma right now, Linda Byrd is fighting for justice for her husband of nearly 50 years. Jean Byrd died in 2020 after suffering a heart attack at their home in Noble, Oklahoma. The family says EMTs responded to the 911 call but could not get to him in time because of an idling freight train. By the time emergency responders were able to make it to the Byrd's home, Jean was dead. They've been sued and lost lawsuits over this continuous blocking. And the laws need to change. Many impacted residents like Denise Mayo from Leeds, Alabama, aren't just living with dangerous disruptions, but are trying to hold these railroad companies accountable, helping to change the infrastructure and the well-being of the people in their communities. I'm not done, and it won't be done until that crossing is built and until these people are able to go in and out every day without having to worry about not being able to get health care to the family, not being able to get law enforcement to their family, not being able to go to the grocery store when they want to. Simple things. It is very important to point out that there is it is very important to point out that there there's no federal laws, rules, regulations pertaining to blocked railroad crossings. And it just wreaks havoc on these community members in these areas. And it's happening all across the nation, not just here in Hammond, Indiana. But we do know that there is a bipartisan bill that has been drafted and it really comes in the wake of the East Palestine, Ohio train derailment. But the whole problem is, is that we're hearing that right now that that bill is in trouble.
possible. What we're learning is that Republican senators are saying that this bill, it puts too many regulations, limitations on the railroad industry. Now, we do know that J.D. Vance, that he's very much co-sponsor of the bill, Ohio senator, he's very much in favor of this bill and says it's vital to Americans. Morgan and Blake. All right, Kelsey Kernstein live for us in Hammond, Indiana. Kelsey, thank you. Um, This is going forward, Morgan, when you look at trying to fix this problem, because clearly it's a problem. It's the battle of regulations, too much, too little, and how do you sort of thread the needle? I would say, you know, two thoughts on this. One, if you're in communities like in East Palestine, and, you know, I, you have children, I have children, I cannot imagine what it feels like to be those parents yeah. and to worry about what toxic chemicals your children Which is why we stay on the story it. nonstop. I, I mean, it's just, I would lose my mind if I thought my daughter was being poisoned with toxin chemicals. So that's number one. Number two, you know, we think, I spend a lot of time thinking about China and the world. We just talked to, about, to Mike McCall, House Foreign Affairs Committee. When you think about the state of our American railroads and when yeah. you see China... And other countries that are building bullet trains Mm -hmm. and have all of this modern infrastructure. And then you look and people in our small rural communities in America are plagued uh, by these train delays and and by disrupting their communities. You think, gosh, we've got an infrastructure problem. You look at what's going on with the FAA and flights. Everyone's flights delayed or canceled. Mine have been delayed all week. (laughs) Yes. I I always (laughs) think to myself, we can put a rover on Mars and fly it and take pictures on Mars. Can't fix the railroad crossings. That, that is that not good. I don't not know. good. All right. Well, turning now to President Biden, who is on the road again today at a shipyard in Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, to tout some of the good recent economic news. And our plans work in Bidenomics. We're here. Here's what it looks like. We're 13 million new jobs built across the country. Now, despite the president's attempts at selling uh, the American public on the economy's recent performance, it doesn't seem to be resonating. According to a a new poll from Quinnipiac uh, Quinnipiac University, 37 percent of Americans approve of the president's handling of the economy, but nearly six in 10 do not. Joining us now is a Democratic congresswoman from Pennsylvania, Madeline Dean. She was with President Biden earlier today. Hello, Congresswoman. Thank you for being here on the Hill on News Nation. Um, you know, it's interesting when you talk about the president and Bidenomics, right? He's got a lot to talk about. You got the stock market at near record highs, unemployment at near record lows, a manufacturing boom on the rise, um, inflation, right? Getting down to 3%. But Americans aren't buying it, Congresswoman. Poll after poll shows that they do not approve of the president's job and that their financial situation is getting worse. What's the disconnect here? Well, uh, I just watched with interest your last reporting. Uh, We just had a uh, train derailment in my district this week. Uh, Fortunately, there were no toxic spills, no hazmat situation. Uh, But to be with the president today, I won't respond so much to the polling. I'll leave that to the pollsters. I'll tell you what people in my community see. They see that the president, along with all of those incredible statistics you just named, that he has added 13.2 million jobs to our economy, Uh, that there are 800,000 manufacturing jobs. At a time when people thought manufacturing in America was dead, it's not. And part of the reason is connects very directly with your previous story, the infrastructure bill. Take a look at what is happening. I had the opportunity to be a part of delivering really valuable resources to our regional rail here. $80 million in grant resource investments in SEPTA here. 
to Look, make it safer, I, 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 I to make get, it more I, I get, economically yeah, clean. Yeah, Congresswoman, I get, the, I get the numbers, and the White House has made the argument that part of their plans are just starting to hit, and more of it will be felt down the line and so on. But you, you can't deny that the American public says this isn't working for me. I think I, I completely understand that. People are worried about the cost of living. That's what people say to yeah. me. We have just been through, obviously, the horrific pandemic, the global economic shutdown, the inflation that came globally uh, around the world. And we have been able to pull out of that inflationary spike much faster than any many, many, many other countries. Uh, so people are feeling the effects, the hangover uh, from a very difficult, tumultuous time. Uh, so I'm very empathetic and sympathetic to that. But take a look at unemployment. Take a look at wages. Uh, I believe as the American public watches these investments over the course of the next 18 months, each and every one will have greater confidence in our economy, yeah. in Biden Bidenomics. You know, the, the, the thing about the economy, Congresswoman, is you never know what's coming, right? We can all make predictions and you never know what's coming. Right now, it appears that this is the summer of the strike. Uh, out in California, for example, you got the Hollywood writers and the Hollywood actors on strike. In the Midwest, you got the auto workers for the big three potentially going on strike. UPS workers, uh, uh, something like 350,000 of them potentially going on strike. More than 650,000 workers here in the upcoming weeks could be on strike. President Biden says he is the most pro-union president ever. Can this derail the economy? And if so, how does he fix this? Well, I, uh, my son is a member of the Screenwriters Guild and is on strike. Uh, this is about a question of fairness. The different strikes that we are seeing or, or threatened is a question of fairness. But it is also a question of the strength of our unions, the renewed strength of our unions. More and more people are joining our unions because they know they can earn a living wage, they can do work that they really are pleased by, and that this nation was built by unions. For, in terms of the entertainment industry, uh, the writers are on strike looking for fairness, fairness in wages, fairness in employment, fairness as we approach the age of AI, uh, fairness in wages of the ordinary, everyday writer. They're not all making millions of dollars uh, like the CEOs uh, right. in their executive packages. And what is important is to lift up what these union writers have done. They have given us an entertainment industry that is the envy and is imitated around the world. They no, need to I, be and, fairly and I hear, compensated. And I hear you. I, I, I guess we, we just have to see, and everybody, of course, wants these folks working. But if you got nearly two-thirds of a million people striking, uh, what are the implications potentially of that? It's another conversation for another day. I wish the best for your son, uh, thank Congresswoman. You. Uh, thank you for joining us here on the Hill on News Nation. Real quick. Johanna, yes. uh, this is the most pro-union president ever, he says. Does the most pro-union president ever need to fix this and solve this? So first and foremost, I have to say uh, Congresswoman Dean is a friend, and I know her son as well. Um, she is someone who is really dedicated to the people in Pennsylvania. Uh, President Biden absolutely needs to be watching out for these strikes. That said, what she was talking about, they are striking over artificial intelligence taking their jobs in Hollywood. These things are important, and I think for people to ignore it from the Republican side would also be bad, because this is what's happening too much, right? Morgan and I were on election night for nine hours. We saw inflation was the number one issue, and the Democrats still won, because the Republicans weren't speaking to that issue either. All right.
Coming up, speaking of issues, <laughs> UFOs. A real-life X-Files is playing out in our nation's capital. Congress talking about UFOs, and we are now learning about the details ahead of next week's UFO hearings. News Nation been on this from the beginning. Congress now holding hearings. So what are they saying in advance of it? It's coming up on The Hill. everybody are we going to learn the truth about the unidentified aerial phenomena or uaps for short the house oversight committee revealing more information about next week's hearing this coming after news nation's exclusive reporting on whistleblower claims about non-human crafts allegedly recovered by the u.s government i love this story <laughs> let's head to capitol hill where news nation's joe khalil has been following the developments very closely joe do you have U uaps for us ufos any of this <laughs> well, a lot of people love the story. I don't have it. But what I can tell you, Morgan, is that what we heard this morning really was extraordinary. I mean, you have this group of lawmakers. They've been trying to get a hearing on UFOs, UAPs, for months now. They finally have it. And today they said it's going to be like nothing we have ever seen before on Capitol Hill as it relates to UAPs. That starts with the witnesses that they have. So you got two former military pilots who have actually seen UAPs in the air with their own eyes. Uh, accounts they have been public about, they have shared and documented. And by the way, their stories are backed up not just by the very fancy and expensive radar on their jets, but also by the military who says, yes, we have confirmed these sightings are real and no, we can't explain what they are. And the third witness they have is David Grush, the man who is very familiar to News Nation and to our viewers. And we know his claim that the Pentagon has in its possession multiple UFOs that don't appear to be made by human hands and that they've been hiding that from Congress and from the public. So imagine that account, right? What David Grush said in a congressional setting in public under oath. That in itself is going to be historic. And I was able to talk to some of those lawmakers today. I asked them whether they were going to provide any physical evidence, any pictures, images, videos of UAPs on the, on the ground or in the air uh, at that hearing next week. What they told me was the Pentagon has new videos that the public has not seen. They want the Pentagon to release them. But in terms of is that going to be part of their hearing, they say maybe. So a big teaser for us there. Get them from a maybe to a yes, Joe. We all want to see it. Come on. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, right. too. Yeah, we got to really yep. hammer them down. All right, Joe Khalil live for us up on the Hill. Joe, thank you. Well, coming up next hour on Elizabeth Vargas Reports, Elizabeth will have the latest on the UFO hearing in Congress next week and what we've learned about the three witnesses testifying. That is at 6 o'clock Eastern, eight minutes from now. You won't want to miss it. But before we go, a fan of Frankfurter's. <laughs> Senator Mitt Romney cooking up praise for hot dogs. The video that's gone viral. We'll grill our panel about it next. <laughs> Thanks to generous community support, Wounded Warrior Project has helped post-9-11 veterans and their families since 2003. Through no-cost physical and mental health services, legislative advocacy, career assistance, and life skill training, we're there every step of the journey. It's possible to feel understood. To get support when it's needed most. And now I know anything is possible. And we're just getting started. Learn more at WoundedWarriorProject.org possible. Everyone has a community. 
a neighborhood, school, kids' teams, where you worship, work, work out, or any other place or group where you choose to belong. Communities can provide support when you need it, and even when you don't know you do. Like when it comes to preventing underage drinking and other substance use, community members can be your eyes and ears when you're not with your kids and alert you to signs of potential problems. Learn more at talktheyhearyou.samhsa.gov. As you go about your daily life, look closer. Every year across America, a staggering 4.2 million youth are homeless or trafficked. Covenant House is the national leader providing safe housing for youth, 50 years strong. Every youth who walks into Covenant House gets clean clothes, hot meals, medical care, and a safe place to sleep. So look closer at Covenant House and help us fight youth homelessness. To help or get help, go to covenanthouse.org. Who right now? Why? Why is it important we know the truth? Excellent question. That's a good question. We're going to ask tough questions of both sides, and our viewers will be better off because of it. Have you thought about updating to a walk-in bath? With a Kohler walk-in bath, you will enjoy the ease and comfort of one of the lowest step-in heights available. This month only, take 50% off installation, plus no interest for 12 months. Call now for a free quote. The easy grip handrails and grab bars provide extra support and stability, while a heated backrest keeps you warm. Plus, Kohler's Whirlpool and Bubble Massage Air Jets create a relaxing spa-like experience from the comfort of your home, all at the touch of a button. Call now to schedule a free, no-obligation design consultation. The Kohler walk-in bath will be professionally installed quickly and conveniently, and it's backed by our limited lifetime warranty. This month only, take 50% off your installation and pay no interest for 12 months. Call now for a free quote. It's never been easier to upgrade your bathing routine to give you independence and peace of mind. The walking in, the low step, and then when you can turn on the heat, oh, that's, you know, that's just wonderful. Call to schedule your free quote today. Call 800-794-3989. Well, as you all know, today is National Hot Dog Day. And uh, perhaps you also know that hot dog is my favorite meat. I love hot dogs. Uh, I love them in buns. I love them outside of buns. I love them with baked beans. I just like hot dogs. It's the best you know, <laughs> mess meat there is, without question. <laughs> best meat there is? Come on. Why, 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 why is that the reaction? Oh, it's shocking that this man did not win bless as president. <laughs> bless his, you know what? I'm from Tennessee. I'm from Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm just going to say bless his heart. Okay. <laughs> What's wrong with any Pro hot dog, especially at games. I'm all for it. Yeah. I had a hot dog for National Hot Dog Day last Did you? night after watching that video. Uh-huh. But that video, it, it, it exemplifies, you know, Hot Dog Day we all agree with, but that was some cringe. But can we all agree, <laughs> can we all agree on um, Hebrew National? Because, like, the rest That's of the hot dogs are pretty good. Are the That's yeah. true. Yeah. We'll Hebrew agree on that, and we'll leave it there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Johanna, Phil, Alex, Morgan, it's been Thank fun. You. Good to be with you. High five. Yeah, come on back. That'll do it for The Hill. Elizabeth Vargas report starts... And Leland will be after her, but Elizabeth starts right now. For centuries, space has fascinated Earth's inhabitants, and tonight the human race is possibly one step closer to understanding who else may be out there. We are learning new details about the government's first big hearing on 